0: Thought Warriors, what is up? Higher learning is on. It is Ivan Lathan Jr.
1: and it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Back. Rachel,
0: how are you feeling?
1: I feel much better now. I, for those of you who don't know, I had the flu. Probably still do. I'm still at home. I had two strands of the flu, uh, A and B didn't even know that you could give two at the same time. And despite us putting out an announcement on Twitter, people were very upset that they didn't know we didn't have a podcast. I apologize guys. I should, you know, we'll do better make an announcement, but as you can tell this voice is a million times better than what it was on Monday. Van, you heard it.
2: Yes,
0: you talk.
1: You immediately talk. were like, "No."
0: <laughs> you get no. <laughs> Rachel, you get you get I'm worried about no. you.
1: you get, no. You get sick a lot. I have like been sick since January. I have been sick
0: since January. You get sick a lot. Are you eating enough apples and shit? You eat apples? Man. What? You,
1: n- not really. but <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you have a very fragile voice.
1: I do have a fragile voice. My voice does get hoarse. Yeah. Um. But I didn't know I had the flu, and as I told y'all on the last podcast, I was gonna be hosting a Cowboys watch party. Good thing you didn't come, Van, because yeah. I had a house full of people, and I was yelling at the TV. People stayed for hours after. We were we were having a good old time. I was drinking, and I think that's what just took me to Kicked another place. Kicked
0: it into place.
1: high gear. Kicked it all the way into high gear. Gave me the original and the remix version of this, of the flu.
0: I think you're sick because of the football you had to watch.
1: Well, I'm sure that didn't help. Thanks, man, for making me relive last weekend.
0: What's going to go on? What's going to happen in Texas, man? What's going to happen with the Longhorns? What's going to happen with the Cowboys? I'm not even trying to be a troll. I'm just asking because I know some of my Texas fans are very unhappy.
1: It's not like we didn't play a really good team. You know, it's not like we lost to somebody who's not ranked. Uh, we knew it was going to be a challenge going no, into that game. No, talking about this
0: ranked shit. You lost to TCU at home when you were favorited. Like, you, they, they should have okay, won that game.
1: But we should have won the game. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like... It wasn't a possibility that we wouldn't win. Right. I don't know. I'm out of excuses. Right. I don't know what to say. What year is this for Sark? Is this two or three? I can't two. even remember. Two. And they're, 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 they improved Usually. from last year.
0: Yeah, they, they improved from last well, year. you don't better.
1: have that much time in Texas. Like, they expect 10 season wins. They coach three and out. Right. Charlie Strong, three and out.
0: Yeah, but that was different. Who was
1: after him? Who was after him from Ohio State? I can't even think of it. Herman. Tom
0: Herman. Yeah.
1: Herman. Herman, he was two. I don't even think he was three years. He was two and out. Yeah. Sorry, it's like you got it. You got to. I don't. You got to produce at Texas. We don't have patience, and especially with the new quarterback coming in next year, which will be interesting to see because Quentin's really good. Which will be interesting. He's to see. He's not really
0: good. He's he's playing okay. So you guys have a lot of quarterbacks down there that everybody thought. So you have Arch Manning coming in. <laughs> it's, it's, who, the
1: story. it's the story I, look, of Texas I, look, I, can't, I, can't,
0: I can't wait for Arch Manning to play so you guys can realize what's, what, what's happened.
1: Will they want a new coach with Arch? I don't know.
0: Why would they get a a new coach with Arch? Arch, Arch, I can't.
1: I'm just telling you, Texas doesn't have the patience. We shall see. I would want Stark to stay another year. Whatever. We lost. Cowboys lost. Definitely shouldn't have lost that game. That was an embarrassment. (laughs) Only thing I can say is we were cold. We were cold. We didn't have Zeke, but not that that matters because Pollard's better anyway. I don't know. Vander Esch went down for a quick second. I don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> we're I, uh, not I, doing. I, we're not hot.
0: I, I did. I did the unthinkable, to come do this podcast today. So I started playing a game of Madden, and I do something in Madden. Whenever I see like Lamar Jackson, like I get scared they have him. So I like go overboard. You know what I mean? Like I'm like uh got to spy the QB and do all of this stuff and this guy's just dropping dimes. He was up 21 in the first quarter with Lamar Jackson with me 21. Then he went up 35 to 7. Well, okay. I scored in the second half. I scored in the second quarter. Then I got the ball back in the first on the first possession in the second half and I scored. Kicked it to mm-hmm. him. He went for on fourth down. I stopped him, got it back. I scored. And I like, and, like I was, I had come all the way back, and it was time to do the podcast, and I had to concede the game to get on here. I was about to pull one of the greatest comebacks in Madden history. I had his number. I had figured all of his shit out. I was going to come back and win that game, and I had to cut the shit off to come and do the podcast. It Wait, exciting.
1: were you playing against yourself?
0: I was playing against. I was playing online.
1: Oh, cause you were like you had. I thought you said you had Lamar Jackson. No, then you were like they had going Lamar Jackson. Him. This guy okay, had Lamar I was Jackson. Like, so he you're had Lamar Jackson, yourself? and I was okay. Mm,
0: disgusting. This guy had Lamar Jackson, and uh, and it's a hot toddy, and you, you're drinking a hot toddy. No, I'm saying that because you said playing with yourself, like you're 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 just, okay. You know, let's
1: let's grow up. You just, let's like, grow. Let's up. grow
0: up. Whoa, you're talking weird stuff. Um. Shout out to Diallo Riddle, brilliant, brilliant man. Southside Show, Sherman's Showcase, Diallo Riddle, amazing writer. Shout out to Diallo Ambushier. Diallo was going to be on the podcast on Monday, but Rachel got sick.
1: I'm sorry, Diallo.
0: So we have to reschedule Di- Diallo. Diallo will be coming up. I think was it on the, the like the first or 28th. something like that, twenty eighth or something it's like the that. Donnie. First the first. So Rachel doesn't even know. Like, look, you. you it's funny. It, it's funny when people think that, like, people don't understand like the dynamics of the podcast. People don't if people if the, if people knew... What only are you knew, about to say? No, I'm not going to say. What are you about it, to if people say? People only knew. If people You've only already knew. already
1: started. Oh, I'm the problem. Let's just say like this. It's 50-50. At times oh, I am it. the problem. Donnie. Oh, it's just been a while. It's just been a while Nani. for you. At times lately it's been me. I've scheduled a flight, messed up the time. It's been me lately. Rachel did I was the sick. Rachel Rachel, forbid.
0: Rachel did the podcast one day from a cave in Afghanistan. <laughs> She
1: was
0: like, she was like, she's on the side. She's like on the side. Like, like, you can hear people making airport announcements in the background.
1: <laughs> Some of us make bigger sacrifices. Some of us just put pause on a game. Mm-hmm. Some of us
0: didn't put pause on actually
1: quit. find a hole in the I, middle of the airport. It's a podcast for, to for the Thought Warriors. I,
0: I love this. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, damn. Because at first I'm like, because here's the thing with me. I never I have a thing, I never quit a game. Okay. So if and my friend, uh my my cousin Ra Ra, shout out to Ra Ra. One day me and Ra Ra were playing Madden and I was I just couldn't stop him. I couldn't stop him. So it got to the point, you know, he's talking all of his shit. He's doing his thing. Mm-hmm. It got to the point to where I was playing out of spite. I was playing out of spite. But also mm-hmm. I was downloading information. I remember I lost that game, some crazy big number. But then I came back and beat him three times in a row. So I never quit. I never quit. I take my lumps. I have a good Madden record, so I never quit. I take my lumps. And but in this game it was different. I had figured this son of a bitch out. He was taking advantage of the fact that I was scared of Lamar Jackson and I was over blitzing, playing too much man coverage. So he was just like. Taking advantage of coverage busts and throwing over the top of my head, then I made him start quarterbacking a little bit, and I started getting his ace. Oh yeah! But I cut that off to come do the podcast, man.
1: I feel like you needed to say that so you feel better about um, leaving the game.
0: I was only down one score.
1: I know, and you wanted people to know that, so you. And feel if I, like if you I, I
0: stop him, if I if I stop him again, baby, we and he was gonna be so. He, I was gonna make this nigga quit the fucking game forever. So some 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 chubby black bastard came back on me when I was up. Oh, I couldn't can score. He see you? No, he can't see me. But he can feel that okay. I'm fat.
3: <laughs> I feel like now, <laughs>
0: I feel like now. Uh, Stop. I, I feel like now people just know. You know? Either no, like pe- pe- people say stuff on the podcast They're like, Van, Van, breathing so hard he sounds nasally. That's because it's like blubber in my nose passages. You know, in my throat. I'm like my throat is fat. So you can feel it. They can feel it on the other side. I know that they can feel it. Anyway. Um, did Brian get sick? How's Brian doing? I saw him in a suit on Instagram.
1: Brian's fine. We've really been living separate lives since entire month of November. He had COVID.
3: Hmm.
1: He had COVID. And then I now have the flu. So right. he's good. He's good.
0: You he's think good. he gave you the flu? You think he...
1: I, I, I am holding on to that. Hmm. Hmm. I, I do say I think somehow... Whatever his COVID it turned it, it, it fell on to me as it the flu.
0: Down mutated.
1: It mutated. Yeah, yeah. 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 I do.
0: Yeah. So when you guys are apart because of sickness like this, what happens? Like what goes on in a relationship? Do you order postmates or something? Well how do you we, guys? we're
1: big postmates. We're big postmates orders, period. What does he order for like postmates? Because he got apps. Been, no, no, no. He actually does um meals. He uses this this company called Factor. And he does. Oh
0: Jesus Christ! All right, let's move on. His on
1: meals, or he does Butcher Box. But we've been separated. I do. I, I've been eating a lot of chicken noodle soup. Mm-hmm. Um, sold on the but side, but it was sold on the side. No, with promethazine on the side. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's what they gave me. I'm sick. I'm really sick. Well, Rachel, well, well, wait, Rachel,
0: hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Wait, Rachel, you got some promethazine over there? I do. You, oh, oh, I do. Hold on. How much promethazine you Hit got? Hit me left? up.
1: Hit me up. How Hit much promethazine? <laughs> a minute,
0: man. Got, How
1: much promethazine? Even the pharmacist looked annoyed when he had to give me the promethazine. He was like, Do you have the flu? Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, fool." You said, they called it in for me. I got the, I got two, two strains of it. He was like, "Okay, this is what you need to do." Yeah. When I looked at the bottle, because she didn't tell me, she just uh-huh. goes, oh, "I'm gonna give you a, a cough, a, something for your cough." Uh-huh. And I looked, and I was like, "You gave me promethazine."
0: I'm gonna come over. there a so look. I'm gonna go to the store. I'm gonna grab some Jolly Ranchers. And I used to, I used to use, I used to use Fanta Strawberry. I used, nah, oh no, I used to use, I used to do Fanta with Strawberry the, with the with Jolly my, Ranchers. With the, with I, I, the Jolly I, Ranchers for sure. You can't, mom, you can't fuck with my mix. <laughs> I just had the Fanta Strawberry. Maybe not. I, had not. Put I never the did Jolly Ranchers in there with their Put it in there. Shake that son of a bitch up, and we good, baby. God damn, them was the days. <laughs> Damn, it was the days. Well, like, in parts of Louisiana, they look at you crazy if you try, go there and you try to get some permissivity. They don't want to give it to you.
1: And You're he like, looked at me crazy. Yeah. The pharmacist was like, mm.
0: Rachel and I'm Like, company. they
1: called it in. I didn't even walk in with the written. They called it in for me. Mm. That's what hot
0: toddy hot toddy you got permissive in there right now
1: <laughs> no rachel you on lean oh I'm my kidding. god I don't, I rachel don't.
0: drinking lean donnie jump on i don't,
1: <laughs> I don't. It's, <laughs> it's not in here donnie it's not in here donnie
0: i feel like we have to have, i feel like we have I'm to have an hot. intervention for rachel right now man
1: um it's not in here <laughs>
0: Rachel. <laughs> Rachel. Yo, Thought Warriors. Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. Yo, <laughs> Thought Warriors. Yo, yo,
3: yo, Thought
0: Warriors.
3: It's mailbag time. It's
0: mailbag time. It's mailbag time. It's mailbag time. All right. Y'all don't, y'all don't even get the <laughs> okay. reference. Y'all don't even get the reference out there. Um, it's real Texas shit right now. Um, scary shit happened in the
4: world, and we're going to talk about it next, the big deal of the day. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. What if I told you you could get a big snack almost anywhere for less than five bucks? Let's talk 7-Eleven's $3 big meal deal with seven rewards. Big meal deal is a big bite hot dog and a large big gulp drink, and you won't find a better snack deal Anywhere else? Here's what I put on my hot dog: mustard, and that's it. That's it. I love a hot dog with mustard. Maybe if the chili, if I'm feeling it, if I'm feeling crazy, maybe a little chili, maybe a little nacho cheese. But I'm a hot dog and mustard guy. But if that sounds like your kind of bite, visit 7-Eleven, valid through one seven twenty five. Seven-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early. Plus tax applicable on large, big gulp only. Participate in U.S. stores only. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth, plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Uh,
0: yeah, I thought it was over, Rachel. I thought it was no, over. What was over? It. Us. What? Stuff. People. Stuff. Um, Yesterday, trying to take a chill day. was on a walk. I was trying to look at my phone a little bit less, and I saw a headline that said, two dead in Poland from what seemed to be a Russian missile strike. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: This was the entire danger of the war. There was a thought that in this sort of protracted war between the Ukraine and Russia, that people should be worried about one day... Just this huge, huge uh, offensive against the Ukrainians. That this was going to, there's going to be some kind of uh, exchange of nuclear weapons in there. The West would have to jump in. The much more likely scenario would be that, even by accident, a NATO country, which obviously Ukraine borders Poland, would suffer some sort of attack or some sort of casualty. And then all of a sudden, uh, Article 5 comes into play. All for one, one for all, the United States is defending NATO as if NATO is New Mexico or Texas, and now all hell broke loose. So the moment that this was reported, Poland said that that a missile had hit Poland, a, a Russian missile had hit Poland. I was like, right. I need to know everything about this that I can. The Pentagon came out and they were like, look, we don't know what's going on right now. We don't have any clue of what's going on. Uh, But just to let everyone in the entire world know, we will defend every single inch, every single inch of NATO territory. Now we know Poland and NATO have said that the missile strike wasn't a Russian attack. Did this have you shooketh? Were you scared? Two people died in this attack and we should make sure that their lives are properly remembered because even though we're not in the midst of World War III right now, two people are still gone forever. And that is the cost of this war, this uh, uh, illegal um, war of aggression that's been waged against Ukraine for the last eight or nine months. Uh, Were you afraid when you saw that this happened, Rachel? I know people on Twitter were going nuts.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is, I guess, the (laughs) escalation anxiety that, we feared could happen with a war like this. Russia seems to be very unpredictable. And I don't want to say that I don't want to at all, you know, I guess tone down what's going on. I mean, this war has been going on for months at this point, but I would say that the media, at least here, hasn't been reporting on it in the same way that it has before. So I would think that it's not think, but, it's human nature that people have moved on and not thought about it in the same way they were when it, they did when it initially happened. So then it's always, it's on our mind, but I wouldn't say at the forefront, like when it initially happened, when it was like, why is Russia attacking Ukraine? So then when this happens, it's, it brings it back to the forefront. And this is what, when this was reported, it's like, well, this is what we feared that Russia was going to start their attacks on neighboring countries on allies of ukraine and we know that poland has very well been that a lot of how the west has communicated and brought things through to the ukraine has been through poland poland has taken in a lot of refugees from ukraine um and this place where this missile attack happened well where this missile landed and 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 sadly killed two individuals was four miles from that Ukraine-Poland border. So this is people's fears com- becoming a reality. So absolutely, I was terrified because it was like, is this the beginning? Where will this end? Uh, yeah, so just that yeah. to answer that part so, of your question.
0: Interesting <laughs> is that it, for me, it didn't even have to be an intentional Russian attack. What happens if it's an accident? You know, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and then you really the way that works is the United States and other NATO member countries. Obviously, Article five is uh, it's the part of the, the, the NATO agreement that says, hey, if one country goes to war. We all go to war. All of us, one of us, one of us is all of us. OK, so that means that whatever Poland wants to do at that particular point. We have to fall in line Uh, and and, and help out and that's like uh, that's what an alliance is it's not like we can be like no they have too many nuclear weapons if that's the case um, then NATO and other alliances that we have like NATO uh, it would be there'd be total non confidence a loss of confidence say, in the US's ability to um, uh, maintain friendships and uh, help out and you know come to the aid of its allies and you can't have that you have to show strength so I was really, really anxious about what's going to go on in this situation. Uh, because even if it's an accident, you still have dead Polish citizens. And the countries have to decide how they want to rectify that or remedy that. Yeah. For, for, his, for his side of it, um, Zelensky, obviously the, the president of Ukraine, who's become quite the celebrity and the consequential world leader as Ukraine continues to battle uh, and fight just honorably and viciously uh against Russian aggression, he doesn't believe that the missile was Ukrainian. Says so he has no doubt that his country was not to blame for the missile strike. Now, I will say this. I'm sure that he believes that. He seems like a very honorable man. But I also, obviously, believe that he wants as much help and support in his uh in the U in the Ukraine's war with Russia um as he can get. And obviously, if he if people were to believe that the Russians were responsible uh for the missile attack, then the entire world, the entire free world, i. e. NATO, uh comes to the direct aid of Ukraine. So not saying that he's lying, but I am saying that he wants people to know just how dangerous Russian aggression is and how far sure. they've gone. And you know, shame on us for having forgotten what's going on over there.
1: Well it's, Yeah. You know, oh sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no,
0: no. That's it. I mean, like, shame on us for having forgotten what's uh, going on over there. But you guys, we're living in incredibly precarious times where you have a major world power with uh an Armageddon toolbox over there in Moscow mm-hmm. that's just we're ever so slightly on the brink. Anything could go wrong. It's not something that we're gonna think about all the time, but when you have a country like that that is uh you know threatening the world order, and I know that's a scary term for people because people think, Oh, van, a new world order, but the world order is a part of it at least is you know, you don't attack a country, a sovereign nation, without having first been attacked. Now, I know that the United States broke that in Iraq, but, you know, geopolitically, this is all incredibly precarious. This is scary, scary stuff. And I think this is the first time that a lot of people felt um, in a long time, should I say, that a lot of people felt that Jesus Christ, this could, be, this could blow up and we could get to a point to where nations have to make real dire decisions. But I felt that.
1: Saiculum. um, <clears throat> Makes you think about that for a second. But I think it's also important, whether this was intentional from Russia or accidental from Ukraine, I think it's important to note how this is going to make the Polish government and people feel they lost two citizens and yeah, sure. the Polish people, people have, this might have been might possibly. And I'm sure, you know, from what I was reading, there seems to be a lot of exhaustion on the side of Poland because so much they've taken on so much in regards to this war. I mean, they've let refugees come. The country has provided financial aid uh, and it's taken a hit on their economy as well. So this The fact that they lost two of their citizens could even potentially weaken the commitment that they've made to Ukraine, which is so important what's happening in in Poland, too, that because, as I said earlier, the West has gone through Poland to provide effort uh, to Ukraine. So I think that it's also we have to pay attention to how this is affecting that country, because they were, they were, whether it was intentionally or accidentally affected by this missile and what's happened. And then becomes the fear of, okay, well, as them being a part of NATO, as allies, does more protection need to be provided to their borders? Because it's being reported that this was a Ukrainian, uh, missile that was combating a Russian missile because they're, they're shooting 80 to 100 missiles sometimes a day. So what needs to be done on NATO's part to protect Polish people so they feel more protected as they're giving so much to Ukraine, what's being done for them? So I think that's something important to pay attention to Poland, but also other neighboring countries as well.
0: Um. All right. All right, you guys. Hug each other. World's a dangerous, scary place. All right.
1: Okay, a lot of you hit us up because we didn't have a podcast this week due to, you know, my flu sickness. And we've obviously been paying attention to it as well. But we have to talk about Shanquilla Robinson, the tragic, horrific death of Shanquilla. If you don't know, on October 28th, to celebrate one of their birthdays, Shanquilla Robinson and six of her friends flew to San Jose del Cabo or Cabo San Lucas um, in Mexico for a long weekend to celebrate this friend's birthday. Within 24 hours of Shanquilla and her friends touching down, it was reported that Shanquilla had passed away. The initial reports of Shanquilla's death were that she was found unconscious in her living room And it was due to alcohol poisoning. Her friends frantically called her mother. Uh, The authorities were also involved and also attributed it to alcohol poisoning. But as the medical examiner got involved, her death certificate stated that Robinson had died from a, quote, severe spinal cord injury and atlas luxation. And that is the loosening or detachment of her first vertebrae from the base of the skull. Absolutely disgusting. Now, her parents, her mother, who received the call, the frantic call from her friends, felt that it was very suspicious under the circumstances that her daughter had passed away. Uh, She's the one who stayed on the Mexican authorities, the medical examiner, eventually got that death certificate that completely contradicted the the original findings or what was reported to her as to the reason that her daughter had passed away. Subsequent to that, a video came out of Shanquilla completely naked, fighting one of her friends while her other friends were recording this video. She was defenseless. The woman was beating her up, threw her down to the ground. Her friends are saying, Shanquilla, why don't you fight back? Not intervening, not stopping it, just recording it like they're watching a sporting event and that's where the video ends so there's a lot of outrage rightfully so surrounding this murder of Shanquilla because that's what it obviously is at this point it's not alcohol poisoning her face was allegedly swollen as well in addition to the spinal cord being severed and her vertebrae being broken from the base of her skull uh a lot of outrage has also been at the fact that media outlets, national outlets, are not covering this. And I don't want to compare one death to another, but a lot of people are saying when Gabby Patino was missing, every outlet was covering it. All hands were on deck. But with Shanquilla, there doesn't seem to be the same effort to discover the re- not even just the reason, but Who was responsible for the death of this young woman? I believe she was 25 years old, had a a promising future ahead of her, was there with her alleged friends to celebrate, and within 24 hours of touching down, she lost her life. Van, your thoughts when you heard this?
0: Uh, So I have a couple of thoughts. Number one, we're not comparing one death to another. I understand that you were being sensitive by saying that. We're asking the media, where in the fuck are you? Mm-hmm. Gabby Patino is one thing. my heart goes out to the family of Gabby Patino. My heart goes out to the family of any of the many women that over the course of the years, which is disgusting in and of itself uh that have been abroad and found themselves lost, killed um uh or otherwise assaulted and it becomes front page news everywhere all right now Shaquilla's gone. Awareness and sounding the media alarm helps put pressure on Mexican authorities and, quite frankly, authorities in the U.S. that might be curious about this to get to the bottom of what happened. So when people are when people are asking why there isn't as much conversation or demanding more conversation about it, they're not doing it from an emotional place. There's a concrete reason why people want to hear the story talked about. Because the more people understand it, the the more people hear about it, the harder it is to ignore. And then if you can't ignore it, perhaps we get some answers as to what happened sooner rather than later, which might help the family get some sort of closure. So we're not comparing deaths. We're asking, where is everyone? And that's a fair question to ask. I don't know what to believe, like, or not what to believe or what to make of this. Um. This story has led me to do a little research. I think everyone has done some research. We've all talked about femicide and how that's on the ride is rise in Mexico. Sobering, sobering, sobering stats. More than 10 women are killed every single day in Mexico. And oh tens of thousands are missing. The rate of femicide, which is killing women, specifically because they are women, because of their gender, is on the rise in Mexico. It's been on the rise for years and years and years. 70% of women... Um, uh, uh, over 15 have said that they've uh, been the victims of some sort of violence. So this is a big deal. So you look at that and you say, well, there is an epidemic of this in Mexico and uh, Shakila could have been the victim of how dangerous it is, it is to be a woman in Mexico. That could have happened. But at the same time, the situation with her friends, the violence that they were uh, taking part in, the fact that they left and came back from what I understand, right? Like the friends left and came back without her. Mm -hmm. This is weird. I'm, I'm not looking to finger anybody for, for, for any particular uh, crime that they might've committed or might not have committed, but obviously seeing that she was involved in a violent encounter naked with everyone else, like, taping it
1: watching watching and watching right
0: before she right before she passed away is just insanely sad enraging and really really suspicious and peculiar so i'm for me i'm just wondering what the fuck happened to Shanquilla. like what happened to her
1: well even on social media and This is allegedly, but from what I've seen on social media, some of the people, the friends, alleged friends that were involved are speaking out and only saying they'll speak out to the highest bidder in regards to an interview. Um, It seems to be very reckless and just disrespectful in the way that they're handling the death of their, their alleged friend. But it also highlights this issue of, not caring about black women. You should have read this story, watched a social media video, read a headline, and been horrified by what happened to Shanquilla and honestly thought that this could happen. You know, you've you've been told you should be careful about who you travel with. But this, you never know what people are plotting against you. You never know who's for you and who's not. Well, I, and this We don't
0: want to be too hasty by put Rachel's very. We want to make sure that we're responsible.
1: I'm saying a legend. Yeah. But I think it brings on the bigger conversation of when you're traveling, especially specifically out of the country with friends, you have to be careful, allegedly fine. But what I'm saying is I guess the bigger picture to not be so specific, if you want to be careful in regards to that. And I understand that is that there is a black woman who's dead. There's a black woman who's dead under very suspicious circumstances. There's a black woman who was allegedly, who allegedly died from alcohol poisoning, but her death certificate, and now that her family has the body weeks later, it totally contradicts what they were originally told. So there's a black woman who is dead and things are not adding up and people need to be outraged To the point where they're at least trying to understand and figure out what's happened to give justice to Shanquilla, if such a thing even exists, and give peace of mind to that family who lost their child, or sister, daughter, niece, friend, and they aren't and, and as an on a national media, from a national media perspective, they're not as concerned. So if nothing else, That's something that needs to be called out.
0: Interesting shenanigans from the State Department here as well. When the news first broke, uh, Queen City News reported that the U.S. State Department, this is according to Yahoo, said that there was no clear evidence to suggest that she was murdered. Rolling Stone then followed up with the State Department, who didn't comment on whether or not her death uh, involved foul play but referred rolling stone to mexican authorities mm. that's peculiar to me
1: sounds it's, like they're punting
0: well that's in my opinion a definite punt
1: mm-hmm.
0: um obviously if you want more information the 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 investigative agency closest to it is going to have that information but whatever information that the mexican authorities have The State Department should have it now. They should be sharing. This is the death of an American citizen, a suspicious death, on vacation in a friendly neighboring country. There's no information that the Mexican authorities should have that the State Department shouldn't have at this point. That tells me that they're not being quite vigilant enough with what it is that they're trying to accomplish, which is, Tell the American public what happened to this black lady. So, right. um, we don't. The ha- video
1: is damning enough. The video it's is damning enough for you to do more.
0: The video is damning enough because it it, it injects violence into the situation. We don't have any more information into this uh, except what we just gave you guys. But we hope that we have a better understanding of this as it moves forward. And I just can't imagine anyone can't imagine anyone trying to get a come up off the death of their friend like I we look I haven't seen that you've seen it I haven't seen it I'm not saying it is if it is happening god damn man god damn bruh fuck we got Malcolm Jamal Warner coming up next Let's take a moment. Just real quick. It's a very troubling story. Heart goes out to the family of the young woman. Everyone who has to move on in their lives without her right now. It's a very troubling story. Let's take a moment real quick. Take a breath. We got Malcolm Jamal Warner talking about a lot of things on the other side of this. He's got a brand new album. It's out now. It's nominated for a Grammy. He's already won a Grammy. Um... We're going to talk to him about that, his, how he's maintained his longevity in his career, how he did not fall victim to the curse of the child star. um, And also, obviously, a little bit about his time on The Cosby Show and what The Cosby Show means to people now and maybe what it should mean to people now. Malcolm Jamal Warner on the other side of this break. Uh, fantastic interview. Stick around. It was a longer when we, the brother gave us a lot of time. Uh, we'll get to that in a second.
4: You guys...
1: You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe.
0: A treat! A treat on the podcast today, I've never met this brother before, but he feels like my brother. I'm not even going to lie.
1: Right?
0: <laughs> right? right? I've been following his life <laughs> since I was a kid. <laughs> like, seriously, watching him. He put on the Gordon Gartrell. I'll never forget it.
3: Ah.
0: <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh, this guy's a piece of television history that we have on the show right now. Actor, producer, <laughs> director, mo- mu- musician, poet. um, Michael Jamal Warner joins us today on Higher Learning. High
3: yes. Learning, hey. First
0: question I'll ask you. First of all, thank you for joining us, brother. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. When you hear people talk about you like that, like a piece of television history, like you can't tell the history of television without showing your face. Yeah, sure. That's What is that like for you?
2: Yeah. Um, it's dope. I mean, I'll start there. Um. But I think it's also, um, it's it's a way of life. You know, it, it, it's almost like it is what it is because I was, you know, from 14 on, um, you know, I've been a part of this, you know, iconic uh, cultural phenomenon, if you will, right? So with that, um, you know, it's, it's, that's been a great blessing there are, I think for me, there's also a certain, you know, responsibility that comes with like, holding that space. Um, you know, my, my whole thing has always been, ever since, you know, coming off of like, Cosby, has always been, um, you know, making sure, like, you know, I was like, I can't go from that show to go doing bullshit, right? So, sure. yeah. So there's a, uh, there's a certain responsibility that, you know, for me, I have, I've had to take on in, in terms of, you know, uh, I'm very specific. I'm very clear that I have no interest in doing roles that perpetuate negative stereotypes of our people. Right. Work, work, work. Which uh, means I don't work as much as, uh, you know, I think I should. You know, I think I've been, uh, you know, I've been able to maintain a wonderful career of uh, post-Cosby Um, But, you know, a lot of that has come with being, you know, meticulous about uh, being very mindful about the kind of roles I do. Um, And as a a result, between, you know, uh, uh, gigs I go out for and don't get and Uh gigs I turn down because I'm not trying to, you know, perpetuate uh, certain images of us. I go through periods of unemployment, you know, a little longer than I'd like. Yeah. You know what's funny
0: about that? I remember one time I saw Malcolm and something, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so, way before Jamie Foxx, way before um, what's your man from from Moonlight, Tredavious, uh, uh, uh Travante Rhodes, <sighs> Michael Jai White played Mike Tyson, <clears throat> like, like 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 for for an HBO Word, original damn. movie, which you guys is a really good movie yeah michael J. Okay. white played mike tyson what it must have been like 96 97 yeah about 95. 95 95 yeah so he played 95. he played mike tyson and in the movie malcolm played one of mike's friends from back in the day <laughs> and they was kind of on their hood shit a little bit and i remember watching the movie be like oh my god
3: the deal has changed
2: do you remember that role bro i do yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah yeah and, and i remember you know i i love being able to do that role because it was something you know it was so different for a costume. and this was you know this was pre-northman so i'm like really coming off of the whole field thing so to have the opportunity to do that type of thing that was so different like I, I i needed that not just for my own acting work uh as a as in terms of my own craft but i also needed that as part of my body of work to show that there is more to what I do than just the other. you know yeah. and because that was, um, and because that role was based on you know Rory, you know Mike's best friend, Mike's it was friend. You know, in the context of you know playing somebody you know real.
1: So when Van introed you on here, he said you're like family, which is so true. We've had this discussion on this podcast I've never related more to a family on television than I did the Cosby's. Right. Like that—that right. that was that was my family. Yeah. So for you, and you talk about this responsibility, how would you say that that show redefined, or maybe just defined, public perception of black, of the black family in America?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, it it's, it, it it did obviously it did that.
3: John, um... <laughs> the best way to say it, you know, the the thing that made
2: that show all that it was, right, all of the things, uh, all of the stereotypical things that you didn't necessarily see on that show um, was because Mr. Cosby was creating this show, um, and he and NBC always kind of were, were, had a difference of perspective, because while NBC thought, okay, we're doing a show about this upper middle class Black family. Mr. Cosby was like, no, this show is about an upper middle class family that happens to be black. Right. So we think about it's really the first, um, you know, black sitcom on television where the, the humor was not predicated upon being black. Right. The humor was predicated upon like a human experience. Um, so I think that's, you know, uh, that's one of the key things and why that show was different. Whereas now, even, you know, post Cosby, we may have, you know, black shows on TV, black roles where they've upped the social economic class, right? But the execution is still kind of stereotypical executions. They just have professions. Um, so, so, so I think that's one of the reasons why how it reshaped how people, uh, you know, saw Black people, because, you know, this family was very clearly Black. You could tell by the dress, by the art, by the music. Um, but it was a show everyone could relate to because it was about a uh, the human family condition as opposed to the Black family tradition. Hmm. And that turned some people off. There were Black people were like, well, Black people don't really live like that. You know, that's not real. But the fact that there has always been a black middle class mm-hmm. right throughout yeah. history has been the black middle class. Um, or if you just go, you know, as recent as uh, you know, Cliff and Claire's generation, right? Uh, you know, so many of their generation were the first in their family to ever go to college. Yeah. So their parents were gonna make sure they were doctors, they were lawyers. So you know this life that you know people wanted to say didn't exist was really because they weren't exposed to the reality that these people do exist. Mm. So uh, long man. answer to <laughs> no, that's a great answer.
0: I'm, I'm gonna no, yes, I'm gonna come back to because I want to talk about you're, you're nominated for an Emmy for outstanding supporting actor. You won a Grammy with my man Robert Glassman. Yeah. yeah. And Leila Hathaway, yeah. you with all of my friends, and we don't even know each other. Um, <laughs> so you're doing some some great some great work, and your new album you have coming out, hiding in plain sight, We was nominated for another Grammy. Yeah. This year, congratulations, man! Like you, you're right? all a, a man of many talents. I want to <laughs> ask you about something Jeff. recently. Aaron Carter passed away. And the first thing that I thought when Aaron Carter passed away, uh, was how he had been a child star. Mm-hmm. Um, he had been a child star and obviously we know that there is a long list of child stars that for whatever reasons yeah. could not adjust into either life after the sitcom ended or adult life period. Yeah. Um, and we've seen that really with a lot of your contemporaries. You yeah. know what I mean? People that were on TV at the same time as you were. Yeah. And then people after. And yeah. to be honest with you, people just before as well, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, why didn't that happen to any of the Cosby kids? It seemed uh, like everyone turned out to be, you know, really well adjusted, like, and brilliant people. Eric Alexander.
2: Brilliant! Yeah, cool. you, know, you, you know, you what I mean, like yeah, like oh, all yeah.
0: Raven, Raven yeah. Simone, yeah, um, you know what I mean, a, everybody, yourself, yeah. uh, Vanessa had a she had a a, a talk show at one time, did, yeah, did, did, tip did. yes, right. yeah. yeah, so tip is blessed, so all everyone together, it seems like Keisha and I pull them, you know, when I was in college. She changed the image a little (laughs) bit, and we loved it. You know what I mean? I'm like, God damn! (laughs) But like, but, 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 King magazine, King magazine, like, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But everybody turned. Everybody turned out. Why? Why is that? Denise, like everybody. Obviously, she's her family now. Is Lisa Bonet's? She's got her own. Multiverse <laughs> yeah, of yeah. beautiful <laughs> light-skinned people. So, like, w- so, w- 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 why did that happen? Why did you? Everyone from the Cosby Show turn out. Anything? Mm. Is there anything that in the DNA of that show that 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 made that possible?
2: There are a couple of things, man. Um, I would start with our parents, right? Um, our parents were just very involved in our lives. Um, and and I, I, I actually, I'll go once one before that. We shot. Cosby Show in New York, as opposed to l a so we were already removed from Hollywood and so many of like the Hollywood stuff. so when you grow up on television in Hollywood, your best friend is on the same lot as yours, you know, the next stage down, working on their television show, so there becomes this insulated uh way of growing up um in Hollywood where you kind of. Um, you know, you're a little bit separate from reality. Um, but then the world you in is kind of a you know, fuck the world in itself. Um, uh, you know, so it's just so we did not have that experience. Like our first studio was in Brooklyn uh Avenue and Avenue, Avenue 14th Street, it's a Jewish neighborhood. There was no commissary. So at lunch, we had to go out into the neighborhood and get our food, wherever we were gonna decide we we're gonna eat. Um so just that, like, like that kind of experience or growing up in New York where people don't care who you are. <laughs> right, right? Right, right. In fact, right. you can get played in New York because you're on some Do You Know Who I Am? Yeah. So the world with which we grew up during that time uh, kept us uh, in a very reality-based focus. You know, because, of course, in New York people live in the dopest high-rise. You walk outside and you're faced with hardcore reality you don't yeah, get work. that kind of going up in in la in hollywood um but then also like i said our parents were very uh very present and very much you know if you look at you know young people who kind of go by the wayside or whatever you have to look at their parents first see where their parents like who are the if the parents don't serve as the guidepost for the kid then there's so much room for them to go off path. You know, my mom told me, I was 14 when Cosby first hit. And, you know, when the first hit, the numbers were like out the box. And I'm 14 and my mom was like, yo, baby, it's great that this show is the phenomenon that it is, but this show could be over next year. What are you going to do when the show's on? She was like, I can type. I can always get a job. What are you going to do when the show's over?" So, you know, for me personally, she had already impressed upon me this concept of longevity, this concept of life after cosmic. Uh And in between that and being in New York, you know, I grew up with a very real perspective of, you know, who I am, um, you know, how I navigate through this business, uh, how I navigate with a soul. You know, my dad, my dad was good for that, helping me, yeah. you know, keep my soul intact. He set some really good foundations. Um, you can't, you, you can't be named after Malcolm X and Ahmad Jamal and be about dumb shit. Yeah. Fuck, I just fuck over that legacy. Yeah. My dad, my dad set me, I was, I was 15 when I figured it out and I called yeah. my dad. I was like, yo, you set me up. And he just laughed. <laughs> 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 he just laughed. He was like, okay, I get it. I get it. I got, this is what, you know, this is the legacy that I have to, um, you know, not just have. Honor, respect, and reverence to, it, but I also have to uh, hold that responsibility.
1: You have, you have, with uh, in your namesake, you have your own legacy, but or that legacy, but you've created your own legacy in your own right. I mean, as Van pointed out, you're nominated for Best Spoken Word Poetry Album for this year, Hiding in Plain View. You direct, I had no idea that you directed New Edition's Any Heartbreak video, (laughs) which I love. (laughs) you act yeah, yeah. you're a poet as I just yes he directed he's I, in the video right I know he's, he's in, in the, the video, video but he also the did I not know direct?
2: That? yeah that's why I was in it because I directed it but yeah but you were in s- yeah yes. Yeah, so, t- so, so, so just, just from, so because you don't know that I, I gotta tell you so my first two big music videos uh was ed- New Edition's Any e. Heartbreak and Special ads. I'm a Magnificent those oh, are pretty, oh, two big Big, you know, big director. My first started out directing. So just, I actually got, I got, got go. I, I got in trouble.
0: I think it was fourth or fifth grade because me and my man Drico, <laughs> shout out to Drico. we switched shoes right
3: <laughs> he t- he had
0: one shoe on and then i had the other shoe on like they what remember color? like they had like was what it golden black video. no it wasn't golden black i had white <laughs> sneakers on he had black sneakers on yeah. and then i was like yo give me one of your sneakers give me and we was new edition like oh, from the video it's so fucking hard okay go ahead go ahead finish i'm sorry no the
1: video is iconic so i was yeah. like i know you direct but i had no idea you were behind that video yeah. you act you're a poet, you're a musician, as we see the guitars behind you, multiple guitars behind you right now, of all the things that you do, what is it that you enjoy the most and why?
2: Mm. Man, um, that's kind of like, which kid is your favorite kid? Mm.
3: Actually, <laughs> so, nice. Some
2: parents can probably answer that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they're like, I love them all because like, it's not like, I, I think I was probably around 30 or so where I realized, oh, you know what? I'm an artist. Like, I do all of these things. And one of the reasons I do all of these things is because I think I was about 23, a couple of years after Cosby, uh, no, about a year and a half after Cosby was, was done. And I'm, You know, I'm in between gigs and I'm pitching, you know, directing stuff and whatnot. And at some point I realized, because I was acting and directing, I was like, if I keep my eggs in just these two baskets this business is going to break my heart. Mm. So I set out to find other uh, creative avenues of expression um, to keep me creatively fulfilled in between acting gigs, uh, to keep me creatively fulfilled when the the passion becomes a job and all of the things that come with the territory of having a job, Uh, no matter how much you love it, there are things that get in the way of the joy. So my thing has always been, well, I've got these uh, these different avenues of expression available to me, and let me use them because uh, I need them. Mm. Right? Like my acting uh, career needs my music outlet, you know, because what the music business is, you know, my music. Career needs that. <laughs> mm, right, yeah. right, right. So yeah. they all feed each other, and together they all hold me up. Mm. That makes sense. Mm. Um, I have to ask you this. Is Bill Cosby still a hero to you?
3: Damn, man.
0: <laughs> and, let me, and let me tell you why I ask mm, you. Mm, mm. Because... On this very podcast, we've talked about just having gaping holes mm-hmm. in our childhood
2: mm-hmm.
0: and what it would mean to extract The Cosby Show. Mm-hmm. You know, my my father went to Southern University. I went to Southern University as well. But I learned what a HBCU was not from my dad. I learned from an HBCU from The Cosby Show
3: mm-hmm.
0: because somebody's wearing a Hillman sweater. And then I go, What is Hillman? And my mom goes, which they probably mean Spelman. It's a it's a school. It's, it's like a, a like, you know what I mean? She's like, it's probably a takeoff of that, but like it's a black school. And I'm like, oh. And she's like, your dad went to a black school. Like my mother went to LSU, my father went to Southern. My she's like, Your dad went to a black school. Southern, that's the school for all. And i and I was like, and I just put it together. In my mind. I was like, Yeah, hey, every time I go up on the yard, I don't see nothing but black people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's so much of my of of of, of culture, my brain was molded partly so much due to the creations the the narratives the stories that came out of that show it was a major major part of my childhood but obviously we all know what's happened happened subsequently so for us it's a question that as consumers we litigate but for you as someone who had your entire life changed i guess the question is is s is bill cosby still a hero to you
2: right so so that um That question, that question assumes uh, a hero perspective. Okay. Right? Um, So I worked with him, right? Um, And also on on, on my last record, it's called Selfless. It's a record with me and Lettucey. And the song's called Brand New Day. And my very last line of that joint is, uh, I'm holding out for an iconic love like Cliff and Claire, mm. right, so that's Cliff and Claire, not Mr. and Mrs. Cosby,, mm. right, so while there was this father figure um to the world, right, this was uh, someone I worked with, this was a colleague this was uh this was Ennis's dad, right mm. like, is the guy I see every day, this is the guy I see. You know, passionate it out with the writers every single week because you know, they're writing something that's not what he set this show out to be. Um, you know, this is a man who schooled me a lot in terms of the business, um, but he wasn't my father. Right? Like my father, my father, I'm 52 years old. My father still kisses me on the lips. Right right? So it's a very different. Kind of relationship uh, that I've had with him, uh, very different from America's relationship. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah.
1: It does make sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I'm going to switch it over to Malcolm and Eddie because I just learned something. Van, I don't know if you know this, and this could be something that just resurfaced <laughs> because you know how social media is and they bring up old stuff. <laughs> But with Malcolm and Eddie and you and Eddie Griffin, I had no idea that Tupac was considered for the role of Malcolm.
0: What? <laughs> Malcolm, this-, this Okay, Malcolm. I'm looking at Malcolm's face. <laughs> Malcolm's
1: looking at me like, <laughs> <laughs> what? You I had know, no idea.
2: I know not of which you speak. <laughs>
1: So Eddie was doing an interview and it was on a, it was on something. And I was Eddie joking. Now I'm like, no, and not that I know Eddie, but from what I know of Eddie as his persona, (laughs) is he joking? But he literally was talking about that Tupac was up for this role and that it wouldn't have made sense for him to have Tupac in this role as Malcolm. (laughs) Was this real?
2: I've never heard, of that. never heard of that. I know not of which you speak. You
0: and Pac never talked about that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Pac, 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 this, this was real. You and Pac never yeah, talked about yeah. that? Yeah, we didn't write about that. No,
1: no. Okay, since you didn't know about that, let me yeah. let me ask you All this. Right. with uh going back to, to piggyback on what Van was saying, mm-hmm. I'm curious with everything that's going on, have you stayed close to your castmates uh from the Cosby show?
2: Um, me and Keisha are—that's—that's uh, that's always been my homie since she was four years old. Uh, she's still my homie. Um, we both live in Atlanta. Our daughters are a couple of months apart and love each oh, other. Wow, which is so surreal.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Right?
2: It's crazy. <laughs> oh, it's so right. crazy. It's so right. crazy. That's crazy. Um, and so Keisha's the one I talk to the most. Um, me and Lisa are cool. You know, whenever we talk, uh, we don't talk very often. But when we do, we are always, we're always good. Um And I used to talk at Tempest a little more, not so much. And then Felicia, uh, you know, sometimes life just gets rough. And I just got to call Felicia and be like, oh. mm.
0: <laughs> how do the How do they feel about people that, say, take the show off the air and don't want to watch the show and all of that? Like, how do you guys feel about that? We
2: don't even talk about that. word. We don't even talk about that. No. No. Like our, you know, we are, um, we're so far removed from the show. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So though we may talk about it publicly, I think Keisha and I had one conversation um, about, and that was because I had to call her up and pick her up, because I did. Some interview. Uh, it was like my last my last record. I put my last record in 2013. I couldn't get any interviews. I could get no coverage of my record unless I agreed to ask at least one question about Bill Cosby. Right. So I do, wait a so, minute. What you mean?
0: Wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait. Me.
2: They told you that before. Yeah. Yeah. Like my publicists could not could not book me uh any any press unless they wanted because this was like in the height of it. So.
0: So, yeah. Oh, so they, so, oh, so you, but you would say to them, you, you, you would say to them, I don't want to talk about it, or they would oh, say no. to you, Yeah,
2: oh. my you said, you know, you know my yeah, 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 my yeah. Give me, give me gigs, and, you know, they're like, Well, you know, uh, you know, we're going to want to ask them a question about cosmos. You'd be like, No, okay, well, no, thank you. But it was that kind of, as I'm trying to, as I'm trying to promote my record. <laughs> All that's, right. what, you know, that's what it is. Huh. So, I, I did this interview with, 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 with AP. We do 25-minute interview, talk about the music, talk about my acting. Like, it's a dope conversation. The last question she asks is, do you think, um, you know, what's happening with the Cosby now has tarnished the legacy of the Cosby show? And I said, well, of course it's tarnished it because whenever we see, we have images on television that perpetuate negative images of people of color. We always have the Cosby show to hold that, you know, to juxtapose against that. And now that the show's is taking off the air, you no longer have that. The next day, the headlines read, Malcolm Jamal Warner says, uh, the Cosby Show legacy has been tarnished. That's the headline that ran across the line. The, rec- the, the interview that was supposed to be about my record. That's the headline. The way. So that's the, thing, that's the thing. Then Keisha is on some talk show. And they asked her the same question, and she's like, no, the the legacy can never be tarnished. It's like there's a whole generation that went and got a higher education because of that show. You can't take that back. There are people who who, who are out who have um, loving Black families because of that show. So, no, you can never take, you can't take that back. You cannot tarnish the legacy. So I saw that, and I hit her up. I was like, yo, I'm biting that. Whenever somebody asks me, I'm using this shit. (laughs) <laughs> and, like, that's the only time we've ever like discussed. This. Wow, because it, it, it's, it's yeah. not a part of of our conversation. Did you ever want to rap? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That's how that's how I became a, a poet. <laughs> that's
0: what I'm saying. Cause you was cause like when when y'all was doing that was the goal. You were there for the explosion <laughs> of hip hop, mm. and I see that you're a poet. What would it have been like if in like 89 or 90, 91, you'd have just, I don't know, you'd have got with the bomb squad and just got on your public enemy shit and just dropped a whole rec-
1: Or just know. you and Cockroach, you and Cockroach nah, together.
2: Man, man, man. <laughs> nah, <laughs> man. No, I would. so my my band is called Miles Long, right? So okay. if listeners, if you go to Spotify Apple Music. Um, If you type in just my name, you'll get, like, features and collaborations. But to hear, like, my catalog of music, it's Malcolm Jamal Warner's Miles Long. Um, Miles Long was actually the name of my first rap group. So in 89, uh, Miles Long was a rap group, me and two other cats. I was up in Russell's office. With his what? demo tape, like yo, the <laughs> Russ is conscious. It's like yo, you got to hear this, man. On some De la show type shit, it was, it was <laughs> not that good.
0: Um,
3: okay, sure
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. <so> <laughs> right, not that good, you know. But it was, but it, but it was, it was on some, you know, uh, the DJ, uh, you know, producer. He ended up going by Frankie Knuckles. Uh, anyway. Russell trashed the project, but he ended up fucking <laughs> with my man. Because Frank, Frankie Knuckles is a legend,
0: right? You know what I'm saying? So wait, so you go into Russell's office, you got your group with you. It's just you, it's just a, yeah. And you get you give the demo, and Russell doesn't like the the music, but he but he ends up
2: getting with Frankie Knuckles, who's now a legendary yeah. DJ. He liked right? the music. He thought the music was cool, but he just didn't think that you know the rap playing was for me. Mm. You know, and and I, I don't I don't remember what his exact words were. I don't even know if he was really talking about the imaging, but he was just really like you know it's cool, it's a cool idea, but the skill set isn't there. I'm paraphrasing, but he was like real, like you know, the skill set's not there. Um,
1: so is that how you got into spoken word?
2: So I got into you words, just changed, like to move that later, but I had but so I've been a poet, I've been writing. Like my whole life, my dad went to Lincoln um, with Gil Scott Heron and Brian. Oh wow! Yeah, my dad went to Lincoln because Langston went to Lincoln. Mm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So my father had me steeped in poetry, like when I was six or seven years old. Never took an acting class ever at that time, but at six or seven years old, I told my parents I was either going to be a famous actor, a famous poet, or a famous basketball player. Like that was my, I just I just knew. It. Um,
0: Can you hoop?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you,
1: you're so honest. I've <laughs> never
3: met so
0: anybody honest. with this clean and honest of a spirit. Just like <laughs> like
2: at least like no, you you couldn't.
1: Wait, what's your answer? Is it really no?
2: It's, it's no. It's no. <laughs> like I look, I look I good. You know, I had, like, you know, not handles, but, like, I had maybe a handle, right? <laughs> but I, couldn't, I couldn't shoot to save my life. Right. Like, and you could, you know, you shoot. If you just stay on me, you could imagine the ball with it. But if you left, if you followed the ball right. all day, no.
1: Wow. Well- so. Well, you're you're good at so many things. I guess you can't be good at everything, Malcolm. You can't be good. But at- so you can't be
2: good. So the poetry's always been like a part of of, of what I do. Um, but the spoken word kind of came out. Uh, you know, it was b- before Love Jones, before poetry spots. You know, popped up all over the place. But I was in LA. Um, my man was telling me about this poetry spot. So we went, and we see uh Jada Pinkett uh and um Tashina Arnold. So they were doing poetry, and like and all the women came up, and all the poems were just were were male-bashing poems. Like you just did not feel <laughs> good about being a man yes. in this room. But I was like, Yo, this is whack, man. So me and my dude, we went, we went home, you know, wrote something. Next week, we both came out, and, like, we, you know, we came in repping for, you know, for the fellas. Right. And uh, just the poem that, I, that I'd written, it was so, um, it was so to the core that, of course, the dudes were like, yeah, yeah. And the women were like,
3: uh, yeah, you he, you yeah. right, you right,
2: you right. Right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> so I just realized that I was writing something and it just had this universal kind of thing, and, and people dug it. So that's what what kind of pushed me into the spoken word. So I was like, okay, well, rap days are over. Um, you know, uh, my dad has always, you know, had me in poetry and now here is a um it's not just writing it, he's having it, you know, reading to yourself. Here is a a a a a platform where you can actually do your poetry, you can actually, you know, perform your poetry. And then coming from stage and all of that, it just, you know, it was was something that, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It inspired, I guess, all of those other avenues for me, like, you know, the writing, you know, the wanting to do hip hop, you know, uh, the acting, the theater, it was, you know, it touched all of those places in me, uh, you know, and this there was a, a venue for us, so that's what really got me. And then, you know, then Love Jones came out, and then poetry spot started popping up. It whole, became the wave, yeah. It became the thing, yeah. yeah. Deaf poetry, and then slam poetry, slam slam poetry, and now yeah. everybody thinks slam poetry and poetry are synonymous, right? <laughs> yeah, you know.
3: Mm.
0: Um, Rachel you got something else
1: um, Well I want to ask you About your upcoming yeah. What you got coming up on Fox The Accused can you, I mean I know you got Resident The Resident season 6 which is huge But you also have something new You got a lot coming out So if you yeah. can tell us what you have coming out The Resident and then also yeah. Accused
2: um, So I started The Resident We were finishing our 6th season <clears throat> um, And a couple weeks ago uh, Last week the episode I directed aired. Um, wow.
1: Okay.
2: Really cool. The man doesn't stop. <laughs> I worked that up for a couple of years. I harassed him for a couple of years about getting a director slot. Um But we're, yeah, we're finishing our sixth year, uh, which is great. Because when I first started the show, I was only supposed to do the last three episodes of season one. Um, It was just a three-episode arc. And then here I am in the end of our sixth season. Uh, so that's been a great ride. And um, Foxes in the mid Fox has a new show coming out called *The Cubes, which is a, a courtroom anthology. So kind of like uh, *Twilight Zone* or *Black Mirror*. Every oh, episode. but all in court. Yeah, 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 and they're all you know separate. They're all their own separate stories, separate episodes. Um, and I, yeah, I have a, I have a really. Crazy episode uh, about a man who uh, is being convicted for the murder of the man who molested his ten year old daughter, my ten year old. Jesus. So it's you know it's nice light fare.
0: I'm about uh, to say there's some feel good yeah. <laughs>
2: stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's heavy, man. It's heavy, but it's. Uh, I think that's going to be a really important series. Um, and, I, and I'm really excited about people seeing that episode because, it's, it's, again, it's another sign of, you know, a lot of people don't see. If well, thank not. you for
0: giving us so much time. I got one last question for yeah. you, man. You've done so much. You've done so much. You've, like, with everything you've been a part of, you've had your own show, here and now, I don't, don't think I, you know, bro. I know. I, 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 not, <laughs> Yo, do you do you remember? Do you know
2: that Lauren Hill? And, oh, Steph, Lauren Hill. But I know Daryl Chill
0: Mitchell. Yeah, like yeah, you, 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 yeah, yeah. like yeah. yeah there, there was, it was it was, a, it was a lot of stuff that was going on. Yeah, you yeah. know what? I, you know what? I always thought there was this one episode of the Cosby Show. I always thought they were going to spin Theo off, but there was this, there was this one episode yeah. of the Cosby Show where I guess Theo was teaching. Yeah, or something like
2: that, and I always,
0: I Mm -hmm. I always thought that was a backdoor pilot. I was like, oh, they are about to give Theo his own, his own joint or 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 something like that. Would you have been even up for that? Like,
2: so, so so that was that was part of the conversation, but I wanted, I didn't want it to be spinoff. Like, I wanted to, oh yeah. So that's how here and now came out.
0: Yeah, because it's the, kind of the same type yeah. of situation, yeah. same premise.
2: Yeah, so Here so and Now could have been a spinoff, but we tried to, you know, just kind of flip it a little bit so it wasn't just the same.
0: What left do you want to do? Like, you've done so much. you got Grammys, you're nominated for another Grammy, you've got music, you've got television show, you're already a television icon. You've already etched your name into the history, like I said that before. This is very, very true, right?
3: Yeah. And it happened
0: yeah. so early. Yeah. You know, like you, you accomplished by probably seventeen or eighteen more than ninety nine point nine percent of actors or performers get a chance to, to 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 accomplish in their whole life. What's what's next? What do you want to do next? Do you have any things that you're like? It would be so dope if I could do this, or so dope if I could do that. Like, what's left on that list?
2: Well, so here's the thing: it's a um, like Mr. Cosby used to always say, you have to remember it's a marathon. While everybody else is, is out running sprints, you remember it's a marathon. So when mother was talking to me at 14 years old about longevity, um, you know, my thought process has always been about what's next. Like what's, you know, cool, this is this is hot right now, but what happens after this? Um, so I've been very fortunate to be able to have a life I where I s where I've set myself up, where I don't have to uh panic during uh let's say dry spells. Right? Because if you if you got leave you have longevity, you have periods where you're hot, periods where you're not. So fortunately I'm set up so when I'm not when I'm in those periods of not hot, I don't have to make desperate acting choices. Right. But the the road is still the road. Like once the resident uh once we're done with the resident uh and the accused is whether I'm still, I'm back on the audition ground, right? So it's, so the whole thing about this journey is like, yeah, um, so many times we get called up in at a hot TV show, a hot song, hot movie, um, you know, and and, and we, people get so caught up in that that they don't think about 10, 15, 20 years from now. So like the trick really is to enjoy what's happening but not to get caught up in it mm. because the road is still long you know i gotta find yeah, yeah. so my grind <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, no, right. like, there's no end to the grind right right yeah. right yeah so it's yeah so yeah. I'm, I'm you know I've, I've got stuff i'm developing like you know like every other actor in, in hollywood does um but yeah the grind is still you know it's one of the reasons why i do so much because the grind is. If I, can do a, if I can do several different things, they all be grinds and they all be grinds that I love, then collectively, uh, it keeps me busy. It keeps me creatively fulfilled it keeps me growing and holding all of those skills.
1: Before we let you go, I got to ask you this. We all have our favorite. Do you have a favorite episode from The Cosby Show?
2: Uh, probably the Monopoly one. When uh, Clip and Theo are going back and forth about you know um, you know you haven't eaten well I can get by and blow with cereal
3: yeah
2: or oh, you don't have a car I can ride a bike. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, probably that one because that was that was the pilot and that's what set uh, that's what set the tone for the show you know man
1: I didn't know if you were gonna say that or Gordon. Gordon Gartrell, the man he mentioned
2: it. I just, I just, was just, it? If, if you ask me, my top five—that's <laughs> a different answer. But if I gotta just pick one, but yeah, but Gordon Gartrell was definitely up in the top five. So, yeah.
0: like, calling women—I just remember so many things. Calling women burgers—it's <laughs> <Like, laughs> so stupid. It's like it's like like there's so mm-hmm. calling women burgers, but obviously, for me, the relationship that I had with my dad was yeah. most illustrated. And you trying to guilt trip Cliff and Theo trying to guilt trip Cliff and Cliff Cohen, that's the stupidest thing i ever heard of. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 like, It's like, because like, I will watch, because like, I will watch like, you know, other sitcoms, Mr. Belvedere and all of that stuff like And I will see the way the white kids on the show would talk to their parents. <laughs> they would guilt trip them and make them feel bad. And then like, it would work or they would get mad and like, walk out the room yeah, yeah. So, Girl, yeah. i hate you mom i hate you dad like I'm, I'm struggling and like i would try that shit and my father would look at me <laughs> like crystal we need to take this boy to the doctor this nigga has <laughs> lost his mind <laughs> you know what i mean it's, right. so so it, that just rang so true uh I'm not going to hold you, bro. You've been so gracious cool. with your time. You. you are.
1: Yes, you have.
0: Just, I- I'm so happy to see you well, thriving, doing your thing. Thank you. Thank Grammys you. in your pockets. More Grammys coming to you. Yeah. And, um, and when, you get, when you get a chance,
2: um, and I'm saying this to you and to you know, your listeners and, and viewers, too, uh, please, please listen to an album. Um, it's by far my most important album. Um, I tell people that it's an album uh, you know, this record is for us, it's for Black boys, it's for Black men, it's for Black people, it's for non-Black people who have the foresight enough to see our self-healing as an invitation for them to explore their own self-healing. Um, I have all throughout my record, Dr. Daniel Black, Assistant Professor at, of African American Studies at Clark Atlanta University. Word up um, to Clark. I, will uh I will be as bold enough to say that this record is one of the most important records that you will hear come out in 2022.
3: Mm, mm. And I
2: know I put a lot on it, um, and I invite anyone to go listen to the record and tell me I'm wrong. I'm open for that discussion. <laughs> do we have your per- do we have your permission of maybe at the end
0: of the show today? Play our audience out with a little bit, of, put a little bit of it in there, so, yeah, so they please, can hear for please. themselves. Yeah, man. Yeah, please. what? What? Like, like you have? I know
2: you have
3: an album. Which out, one? Which
2: one do you want us to play?
3: Uh, off of that record. Listen to it,
2: or have somebody. Okay. To
3: listen.
2: Okay. It's like. Okay. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's it's. Oh. The the record, it's an important record. That's all I can say, right? Oh, I got you. I got you. I got you. You know, yeah, the record starts, I mean, the record starts, Dr. Danny Black, he's on the first track. uh, The the track is called Love Song. So we'll play that one. And he says, the thing about a black boy is you don't necessarily want to be the black boy. What you want to do is you want to love him so fiercely. You want to love him so divinely. That your disappointments would kill him.
3: Mm. That's hmm.
2: where the record starts off. So yes. wow.
3: yeah, so listen to
2: the record, man, and you know, yeah. whatever. Cause there's so many chunks, you know, and and bits in there that you know, I'd say, you know, you or your producers or whoever can listen to something and see what resonates the most with the show and your listeners. That'd absolutely, be absolutely. Yeah.
0: All right, Malcolm. Thank you for giving us your time, brother. Thank we you. We appreciate yes. you being here together. Well, Next you, time you, you're on the show, you're gonna give us some guitar lessons, man. Uh, I just got a guitar. Bass lessons <laughs> specifically bass.
2: The, the bass. The, yeah, the bass. The bass. The bass.
1: The,
0: Slapping the bass. Yeah. the bass. And as we
2: play uh,
1: bass. Look all, it we
2: play bass all over the record too. So it's what up. It's all of it.
1: Oh, that's great. All
0: right. Thank you. The uh, the there album is How Thank plain. you. you nominated for Best Spoken Word Poetry album? I want everybody out there, all the thought Thought Warriors, to stream that, listen to that. Go out and support that. I want y'all to make him feel our support. So we are so happy to have you. We're happy that you gave us your time. Peace to your brother. Blessings, yes, Malcolm Jamal well. Warner on Higher Learning. Thank you. All right,
4: cool.
0: all right. fantastic interview, Malcolm Jamal Warner. <laughs> Look, you were th- th- this is. Hey, Rachel, that's enough.
1: I I held it. down. That, that, Rachel, I was, that's enough. I kept it in hack, for all cough, for that all hack, that interview. Hack,
0: God damn it! Like y'all you sound like Burgess. You sound like Burgess Meredith. Like, it, y'all like see you, how you, you don't care about like me y'all see
1: what I go through on this podcast hacky, I sacrifice my health cough. my health for y'all for you know what I'm, saying? For y'all. I'm not hundred percent whole That's enough. But I refuse to let the thought. Drink some more, Yoline. Drink some lean episode Rachel, another episode without hearing for Van and I. Drink some lane. I refuse to cancel on another guest, which obviously that was a fantastic interview. And I am currently out of lean. And I was. Oh, she ain't got no more lean. drink drank up, up. up in my cup. drink up in my cup. Man, hold up. Drink up in my cup. <laughs>
3: um,
0: Uh, Trump! All right, so look, this is what happened. We were gone, and the midterms came out. The midterms came out like they dropped, like they had a new album. The the midterm elections were had. We did not... We were gone, but we have more clarity now. If we were recorded Monday, the House is still up for grabs. Mm -hmm. The House is now not up for grabs. Republicans have gotten to 218 in the House. They're going to have a majority albeit a smaller majority than they thought, which might uh, sort of hinder them in uh, being getting as much of their agenda passed as they wanted to or being on the same page. It's a lot different having a huge majority and having like a one, two, three, or even four or five uh, seat majority. It hampers some of the things that you can do, especially since there's a civil war brewing inside the Republican Party. But we do know now that we got split government, President, Demi Demi, Senate, Demi, Demi, Republicans uh, have taken the House. The predicted red wave, the crushing of blue balls everywhere did not happen. A lot of people say this is because Donald Trump. Rachel, have you been well enough to pay attention to the political happenings in the country over the last six or seven days?
1: I have. I mean, how can you not be paying attention to it? sick or healthy, I will say that I have to come on here and say I was wrong. I was wrong. The last time we were podcasting, I said, you know what? We've lost Nevada. We don't know about Arizona. And Dems won Nevada. In regards to the Senate, let me clarify. I know we. Dems won. I know. I said we. Dems won uh, Arizona. And we know Georgia is going to a runoff December 6th. So I was wrong about that. And I'm glad that I was wrong. Um, I also talked about the fact that nobody's pointing to the fact that it seems like the the Republicans are going to win the House, which they have, and they've already started on their bullshit. Right? They got their 218 seats, more than that, and they're already on their bullshit. I will say, from watching everything play out to this point, because we know... Who, who controls the Senate, and we know who controls the House. We know that Mitch McConnell was challenged for a quick second, but he's still going to hold his place in regards to um, his title in the Senate. We, uh, Kevin McCarthy, we're not quite sure what's going to happen there uh, as far as who's going to be Speaker of the House. And at this point, we know that Nancy Pelosi has said that she does not want a title at all. She's going to step down. And I understand that from all that she's personally been through in regards to the attack on her husband.
0: Uh we you know what
1: this oh my
0: way, Kevin McCarthy has won the GOP nomination for Speaker of the House, so that's that's done.
1: Did that come out?
0: Yeah, Kevin Kevin okay. McCarthy. Like he is he's won that. Look, a lot of people thought that the Republicans are gonna get in and what they're gonna start doing, impeaching Biden for walking, impeaching Biden for falling asleep, nodding off, impeaching him for all kinds of different things. It's going to be a lot harder to do without a significant majority in the House. Um, it doesn't mean that our government is going to be functional, but hey, it hasn't been functional to this point anyway. We, we've we been in gridlocked. We've been under the tyranny of the filibuster uh, for so long that they, they can't fucking get anything done. I think the, most, the lasting lesson from the midterms was that this particular Republican party doesn't seem to be resonating with voters. Like they thought that they did. And when you look back at the last two or three elections, I'm not telling you guys, anything that you couldn't hear on, um, on any of the major news talk shows, but I just think it's very interesting that there seems to be, uh, there seems to be real confusion as to the direction of the right. Like, it doesn't seem like America, by and large, on the whole, is going to go for fascism, extremism, and election denial. That doesn't seem like that's a winning strategy. But at the same time, there's a core base that is so dedicated and has so much allegiance for President Trump and his musings that you can't win without them. So how do you disinvite people to your party that you need to show up to have people in it, you know what I'm saying? It's like, the, like, how do you? I, I, it's, it's, it's really as far as it's one of the most. It's one of the most interesting conundrums that I've ever seen in American politics. Like, it's like the whole the the whole Republican Party is just a primary party. Great in the primary to get to the general. And people aren't trying to hear that crazy shit. The, Dems, the, the Democrats should have been easy to beat. Easier to beat. Like, it's things well, are not... Well, I mean, when you look at it, I mean...
1: Well, no, I was going to say, I think it shows that there's a weakness in the Republican Party. There's a split in the Republican Party. I mean, the as you just pointed out, election deniers, those that were backed by Trump, did not do well in the midterms. So there is this divide from those extremists with MAGA and Trump and election deniers versus more traditional or I wouldn't say moderate, but more traditional Republicans. And I think that that's what we have as a, I guess, as a roadmap going forward into 2024. I think Trump announcing the fact that he's running for presidency is the gift and the curse to this party. Right. Trump was a gift to them when he announced before and those same things that they loved so much about him are now those same things that are hurting their party as it stands. And the fact that Trump announced and the fact that donors, big donors, those who are leaders in the party. Leaders who, who who supported him, not even just politicians that supported him before and family members are not standing by him, shows that there is a divide within this party. Big time. And that's what we saw in the midterms.
0: There's not just a divide in the party in terms of like uh, from politician to politician. There's a divide in the Republican Party from body to soul. The Republicans were always a very simple party. <laughs> There is. There's. were. There was. There were always a very simple party to to sum up, and the simplicity was their strength. It was always limited government, limited limited government, deregulation, family values. Somewhere in there is guns in the military. Okay, so those are the things. So all kind of in that scope. Now, when you get behind the veil of politics, they're making your oil buddies profits, and there's kickbacks and all that stuff that everybody does. Limited government. Constitution. Family values. Military stuff. We don't spend a lot of money. You know, we don't cheat. We don't look like we're this, we're that. And the democrats the problem has always been or the left should i say is that there there's huge complexities in being a liberal like huge complexities in being a liberal you know what i mean like there's all there's a there's a there's so many different factions in the left that want to be heard because almost it's it's almost as if sometimes it feels like being a liberal is reactive and I think that we look at it that way sometimes. Yeah,
1: more in touch with the people.
0: Yeah, but it's reacting to people. It's reacting to America that's already existed, and something sure. that you know you don't want, right? And that's why it's it's great that we have progressive minds that think about the future and imagine a different future. Because sometimes we could just look at it and be like, "Well, I know I don't want to go back to nineteen fucking fifty-five, or I know I don't want to go back to separate water fountains, or uh, gays not being able to get married." Or all this, I know I know what we don't want. So we're voting against that, right? Um, and I think over the last 10 or 15 years, there's the a lot of progressive ideas have come into the mainstream and like really ways to challenge the status quo of American existence and and citizenship. And I think that's great. But the Republicans always had a simpler message that was just easily digestible to people who didn't want to think about politics that much, right? It's like, Now they're complicating things. They are. None elections don't work. These all of these books are evil. They're giving their they're giving their constituents a lot to think about. They're giving them it has nothing to do with who they are anymore. To, To me, it's the deep state QAnon, all of this stuff. They're becoming this almost mutated form of liberalism. Where well, there are all of these different factions in there and they don't have a clear, clean message for anyone. That's
1: it. And they they
0: they, That's they, it. they don't have a clear they're telling you, go vote for me, but just know the election doesn't matter. And you start to think to yourself, well, what the fuck? You know what I mean? They're, they're, right. they're, 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 they're telling, hey, get up like they and it's like it's just a It's a weird thing to where I don't think besides the crazy people who like when I say crazy, I fucking mean crazy. The crazy people who no longer want the version of America that we're in right now to exist, which I think especially probably people. I don't know if I want the same version. I wouldn't say that that's that crazy, but I think, you know what I mean? I think beyond those people, just the regular voter who is a moderate centrist on either side, they just can't vote for this shit. They can't vote well, for it.
1: There's no agenda. That's what you, there's no agenda. And even after winning the House, what's the first thing that they say? We're going after Hunter Biden. Like, there's, there's, there's no, their whole theme seems to be, you know, uh, going after Biden, going after Hunter Biden. Um, We're going to, Democrats said this, this is, this is what it is. You know, we're doing this with education. We're taking away women's like it's, there's no, as you said, if it's as simple, if what you're saying is true is the Republican agenda used to be as simple as this, then what, what's being presented to them now, if you're a Republican is, is the complete opposite of that. So I think the fact that there is no, this is what we believe in. And this is where we're headed and where we're going as a party has made their party go insane and that's why there's a divide and with somebody like Donald Trump who has asserted himself as the leader of the party said he's back and you know is saying the things that he's saying and has said the things that he said is in and is being investigated for the things that he's in being investigated as nobody's as hopeful in him as the person to lead the party to the next place as they were before. And him running is honestly a gift to the other side because I'm not sure Republicans want him to run. And if they do put up somebody else, Rachel, it splits the vote.
0: Rachel, me and you could run and beat Trump. Like literally. Let's go. We could, like, we could run and beat Trump. You know what I mean? With all of my precarious so browser history. Like, we could run and beat Trump. Precarious. I'm glad he's back. He's he's back. He's not the leader of the Republican Party. He's the king of it. And he's going to be the king for as long as people like Lindsey Graham choke on his dick. Lindsey Graham came out and said, Trump sounded presidential, and if he's if he's that guy that he was on the night where he de- delivered a meandering, barely coherent speech, then we, uh, he'll be tough to beat. And I, I already started the party for 2024 because I think I hate Trump more than I like the left. So, 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 like, uh, like, it, I already started the party for 2024. Here's the deal Candace Owens is off the Trump train, or at least she feigned like she was. We'll see what happens. This audio that you're about to hear from Candace Owens is breathtaking. Please play it. <laughs> Not only was he just mad, by the way,
2: he then, during a golf session with some mutual friends of ours, had a person next to him who was egging this on, saying to Trump, and I know
1: this because, again, this is a mutual friend, aren't you mad at Candace? Aren't you mad at Candace? Aren't you mad at Candace? And eventually he was like, yeah, I'm so mad at Candace. I'm so mad at Candace. And this got back to me that he was upset with
5: me, that he was angry at me. And the next time that I saw him, he was quite rude to me. He was actually
2: rude to me. I'm telling you this personal story because I think it is something that made me for the first time question him as a person. So you have an individual that spent years defending you, right? And that individual gave you a completely kind and fair interview. You said something yourself that your base didn't like, and you somehow transformed that into something that I did wrong. That's unacceptable.
0: So Candace- this is a black lady. You always want to help out a black lady. <laughs> Candace is a black lady. I've talked to Candace before. Like Candace used to... Uh, we we'll
1: all are friends.
0: I wouldn't say that we're friends. I mean, we're not, I'm not friends mm. with Candace. I'm not friends. I'm saying I was going back and forth. I thought we were going to talk and go back and forth. And back when I thought it was whatever. But I was not friends with Candace Owens. However, still want to help. Because Candace is there saying that Trump was mean to her and because he was mean to her she questions what kind of person he is. Jesus Christ. How could this be Rachel? It's not Trump.
3: Hmm.
0: So if Candace had any thoughts on you know what kind of person Donald Trump is we thought we would help her out. We thought we would give her some other instances where Trump has been an asshole. Because obviously she missed all of these things. Oh. Rachel, she didn't see him.
1: Oh, she did? Okay. No, I'm giving it. No, I love that you're giving her the benefit of the doubt. Benefit. So kind. That's our
0: 1989. Trump on the exonerated five. Of course, I hate these people. (laughs) Donnie, run the sound.
5: Of course I hate these people. And let's all hate these people because maybe hate is what we need if we're going to get something done. It's
0: 1989. It's nine years old, Candace. It's Trump. Co- Donny, run that sound again. This is Trump no. on Exonerated Five.
5: Of course I hate these people. And let's all hate these people because maybe hate is what we need if we're going to get something done.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh, delightful. We're gonna skip forward to Trump and a friend of yours, Rachel, having a conversation, a little locker room oh. talk. If oh. if you ever thought that Trump might have been less than a nice guy, Candace, just listen to this.
5: I gotta use some TikToks just in case they start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just, I don't way. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You yeah. just, just, just. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the pussy.
0: Wow. Now, Candace, you might have heard about that. You might have thought that's a one-off. There's no way the decent, nice guy known as Donald Trump. See, I'm not a decent, nice guy, so I know a not decent nice guy when I see one. Candace, yeah. I'm not I'm not qualified to be the president, but it's not about me. It's about Trump. Once Trump talked about pageant locker rooms, this is what he talked about.
5: No, I mean, I mean, some of these foreign girls, you know, Mr. Trump, in my country, we say hello with the vagina. And, uh, well, you yeah. could also say, as the owner of the pageant, it's your obligation to do that? Stern? So so you have done that. Now, well, I'll tell the you, the funniest is that I'll go backstage before a show, yes. and everyone's getting dressed and ready and everything else, and, you know, no men are anywhere... And I'm allowed to go in because I'm the owner of the pageant and therefore I'm inspecting it. You know, I'm inspecting right. I want to mm. make sure that like every is good. Yeah, the dress. Is <laughs> everyone okay? You know, they're standing there with no clothes. Is everybody okay? And you see these incredible wow. looking women. And so I sort of get away with things like
1: that. He's still going.
5: Mexicans. All right, I don't want to do
0: this anymore. <laughs> it's like it's like bottom. Let's
1: just get worse and worse. <laughs> like... <laughs> okay.
0: And the last so thing Candace
1: may have forgotten, but we didn't.
0: And the last thing, Candace, Trump is a scientific genius. I remember during the harrowing times of uh, of COVID, we all were searching for answers. We wanted to know what should we what should we do? Sure, wear a mask, not wear a mask. Yeah, can you run outside? Can you get COVID through your computer? Can the virus travel through the internet? All kinds of questions. Will ginger ale solve it? Can black people get it? These are all questions that were litigated. But some of the best ideas came from the stable genius known as Trump. Donnie, play the
5: sound. Right, and then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that Uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of the lungs. So it'd be interesting to check that so that you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds it sounds interesting to me.
0: So a little rundown was just for anyone that just forgot who the man running for president is. And what I'm going to do here, because we're going to play we're going to play Malcolm Jamal Warner's song at the end of the episode, like we said that we would. But before we do that, we have got to play, and Donnie's going to have to put it in post because we don't have it right now. Have you heard Herschel Walker's
1: Fright Night monologue? The vampires. Donnie,
0: have you heard Herschel Walker on Fright Night? Yes, I'm pulling it up now. Herschel Walker is the most amazing person that has ever lived.
1: Wow. I'm serious. Because?
2: I listen to Herschel Walker talk about Friday. Night.
0: I've seen the original Friday Night. I've seen the Fright Night remake with Colin Farrell. I don't know what fucking movie Herschel Walker saw.
3: (laughs) In his head (laughs) movies.
0: I I don't know what fucking movie Herschel Walker is talking about. There are no werewolves in Friday night
1: in his head movies.
0: He he Donnie, just run it. Just run this. I wanna tell you to keep the faith. Oh, do
6: you ever watch a stupid movie late at night hoping it's gonna get better, don't get better, but you keep watching it anyway? Because the other night, the other night I was watching this movie, I was watching this movie called Fright Night, Freak Night, or some type of night, but it was about vampires. I don't know if you know vampires and cool people, are they not? But I'm gonna tell you something that I found out. A werewolf can kill a vampire, did you know that? I never knew that, so I didn't want to be a vampire anymore, I want to be a werewolf. But then anyway, as I'm watching this movie, and they can tell you how stupid it is because it's one in the morning. So I'm watching my TV, are these kids watching their TV or a vampire killer on their TV? So you know it's kind of stupid, but I'm still watching though. As I'm watching this show, what was funny, these kids had a vampire in their attic at their house. So they were watching their TV. Now I'm watching my TV, they're watching their TV or they see the vampire killer on their TV. So they win this contest to bring this actor. Now y'all got to stay with me. Bring this actor who's a vampire killer from their TV to get rid of this real life vampire in their attic. So as this actor comes to their home, he got all the right stuff. He got all the right stuff because you know, you got to have a state and got to have a thing to, to kill him in the heart. And he got a necklace of garlic because that worked. I don't know what it does, but it worked. got to have a cross because it burns. I know that worked. And then all of a sudden, this is what was so funny about it. As they're walking through the house, this, this, this guy's got the holy water. He's blessing the house, this actor. Now he's all fake. He blessed the house with his holy water. They walked upstairs and this vampire looking real good in this black suit. Whoa, that sounds like Senator Warnock, doesn't it? Looking all good in this black suit. Floated from the ceiling. He floated from the ceiling looking good and cool. And I'm thinking, whoa, they better get out of that house. If somebody floats from your ceiling, get out of that house. That's that's not your house. But as he floated from the ceiling, the kid jumped behind their hero. As they jumped behind that hero, the guy jumped in front of him with this holy water, threw it on the vampire's forehead. He covered his eyes. And he took his hand away. He started laughing. And he said, that don't work. He took the cross. He put it on the vampire forehead. And the vampire didn't even do anything. He said, that don't work. And that's the way it is in our life. It don't even work unless you got faith. It is time for us to have faith. <laughs> we got to have faith in our fellow brothers.
0: Message. Have- hey, stop laughing. Stop. Rachel, stop.
1: I swear that was Twilight. Scary movie. One of the scary movies. Rachel, stop. stop.
0: See, you don't have no faith. You know what? Fuck it. Walker for Senate. Oh my gosh. We in so much trouble. Uh, something just happened. 75%, 75% of the remaining 3,700 ish Twitter employees have opted not to stay.
1: 75%.
0: There's something happening at Twitter headquarters. Um, Twitter just alerted employees that effective immediately, all office buildings are temporarily closed and badge access is suspended. No details given as to why we're hearing this because Elon Musk and his team are terrified. Employees are going to sabotage the company. Also, they're still trying to find out which Twitter workers they need to cut access for offices will reopen on November 21st. In the meantime, please continue to comply with the company policy of refraining from discussion, confidential company information on social media with the press or anywhere. Something dawned on me about Elon Musk. Something dawned on me about Elon Musk. Okay. So, Elon Musk has made a shit ton of money. Okay. How much money is Elon Musk worth? Give me a guess, Rachel.
1: Like, I don't know, like a hundred billion? 200. Okay.
0: 200 billion dollars is what Elon Musk is worth. Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. Okay. Um He's interested in a in a really peculiar way. Uh he worked with PayPal early on. Okay. PayPal is something that people use. But a lot of stuff that Elon Musk is tremendously wealthy for creating or making has very little effect on the average person, which as I looked at it, is pretty impressive. Most people that have made that much money have products that in some way affect the average person's life. For example, Bernard Arnault is worth a shit ton of money. Let's look at, let's look at the richest guys in the world. Richest men in the world. Richest people in the world. The richest people in the world. Not in Florida. Why does Siri do that? I know who the richest person in Florida is. Flowrider, Richest people in the world. Um, Okay. So, 22 rows. So, richest people in the world. It, it is, uh, this is real time. It is um Elon Musk, Bernard Arnault, uh Gautama Donnie, Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Larry Ellison, um, and and so, and so on and so on and so on and so on. So you got Larry Page in there, you got Carlos Slim in there, telecom billionaire down there. When you look at the rest of these people, Bernard Arnault and his family, LVMH. So even if you can't afford like Louis Vuitton, like my uncle's feet was like Hennessy has been a part of our, for a long time. People drink Hennessy. The average person goes out and drinks Hennessy, drinks spirits, different spirits that LVMH might have people's spirits. You look at uh, Jeff Bezos, Amazon, everybody uses Amazon. Amazon is for the common person, right? The common person, right? You look at Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway. He owns a litany of companies like Berkshire Hathaway. If you look at, as a holding company, what they own, they don't like fucking dairy queen, put like Duracell batteries, So many different companies that you have to have. Like you have, you know, you want a piece of Dairy Queen. Go get some Dairy Queen. Want like he owns a bunch of the airlines. People have to fly. Blah blah blah. Bill Gates, Microsoft. Obviously, for a long time, everybody had to have Microsoft. Carlos Slim, Telecom. Larry Page, Google. Elon Musk is different in that Tesla is a luxury brand, and you have to be sort of rich to have a Tesla. SpaceX space exploration all of that stuff really awesome right but that is not really affecting the average person right Right. any of the stuff that he's doing talking about trying to create the hyperloop all of this stuff is theoretical like elon musk is one of the most interesting hyper rich people ever because it's not like he owns walmart it's not like he owns like amazon or or like dell computers i'm looking at like, all of these people, media magnets, Nike, you got Phil Knight here, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, all of this stuff that people own, the Mars family. He really is kind of like a, he's a theoretical billionaire. Like, they're, they're obviously really, there. are real reasons why the stock of these, country, these companies are valued at so much. There's real reasons why he's so wealthy. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm just saying that Elon Musk. Is out of his depth as it relates to Twitter because he doesn't know how the average person thinks and moves.
1: Interesting.
0: Like he doesn't yeah. the the person that can like let's have a conversation with some friends of mine, they're like, well, eventually people are gonna have to buy Twitter, you're gonna have to get on Twitter. I'm like, yo, man, I know a lot of motherfuckers who will not pay for Twitter. They're not gonna pay for it. I know a lot of people who still ask me for twenty five, fifty dollars from back home, they're not gonna buy Twitter. Right. And and right. and to be honest with you, it's like they're just communicating. Like he's so out of his depth and trying to be a regular non or make a service for people that people use all the time. That like somebody who's not trying to fucking go to space or have their car drive to their mama house for them, which, you know, all of that stuff. He's just out of his depth. He doesn't know what average people really want what regular people who communicated on Twitter really want. And he's never had to know that to make $200 billion.
1: Which is why I think he's had trouble internally with his companies because it seems like he also doesn't know how to talk to the average person. You know, set Twitter for the side. There's also all these issues that are going on within Tesla. It's like he's out of touch With the everyday person, which is why he can send out an email like he did for Twitter, which is what we're talking about, about making people click a a link, yes or no, within 48 hours. I think it was 48 hours, correct me if I'm wrong, of are you willing to stay with the company and move forward or not? And as you just reported, 75% of the people were like, nah, there's a disconnect there. And it seems like it's starting to catch up with him. Mm, 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 it's interesting. Mm, mm,
0: mm. It's nuts. It's nuts. All right, we're out. Uh, no mail back. We gave you guys a fucking two hour podcast. Jam packed.
1: We made up. For, made up for missing on um, Monday. Jam packed. Tuesday.
0: Uh, we're gonna know what happens to Twitter. There might not be a Twitter on Monday. We'll probably be all better off if there's. Are you not.
1: gonna be okay?
3: I've.
0: You're gone, an avid Twitter user. I've gone way down on the tweeting.
1: Okay.
0: I'm not like it's, my mental health is too important. You guys, I love you all. Good for you. Rachel, how are you feeling? Better, I know you are better. Yeah,
1: Rachel, I'll let you. I'll let you take <laughs> us
0: out in in your in 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 your in your own Rachel sick voice. Take take us out in
1: my own Rachel sick voice, guys. We're so happy to be back. Sorry we missed earlier this week, but we brought you something great this episode. Take your caps off, but don't stop thinking. I am Rachel and uh, Lindsay. Uh, bye, guys. It's supposed to be me My voice sounds so much sexier than that right now So much sexier than that Bye.
3: Bye